Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. This morning, our text comes from Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to say a prayer before we read that. And you can also use that time to flip to it in your Bible or on your Bible app. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we are so thankful for the chance to come together to listen to your word. We don't often make the time in our lives that we should. We feel guilty about that. But God, um, as this, this word, your word, breathes through us, let it land on us and let it not fall on deaf ears. In your name we pray. Amen. So as you flipped really quickly, Matthew chapter 23, 1 through 12, and if you haven't, it's up on the screen very conveniently. Listen to God's word for you this morning. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. In colloquial terms, they don't walk the walk, but they certainly talk the talk. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulder of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all of their deeds to be seen by others. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Quick unpacking of that. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of this. They literally have boxes, like picture a Christmas box attached to their head, and attached to their wrists, and they make them big because their prayers go inside, kind of like a prayer box. That's what a phylactery is. And then the prayer fringes, you've probably seen them if you've ever seen somebody who's a little bit more on the Jewish side. They have these long fringes that hang down out of their pockets, and that's for how many people they're praying for. And so they make them long because that's how many people they're praying for. Anyway, I didn't know what that was a long time ago, and here we are discussing it now. Back to verse 6. They love to have places of honor at banquets and the best seats at the synagogue and to be greeted in respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for if you have one teacher and you are all students and call no one your father on earth, for you have one father in heaven, nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. And the greatest among you will be actually a servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. With Thanksgiving coming just around the corner too soon, No doubt you will all be having very memorable family meals, memorable in good ways, memorable in bad ways, but memorable nonetheless. And I was watching this television show, Blackish. How many of you watched this show? I caught it while I was doing something else, and there's the whole family gathering. If you know, there's there's several members of the family. I think they have four or something kids and a mom and a dad, and then the grandma comes over for dinner quite frequently. And so the mom and the dad and the kids are all gathering for dinner, and the father asked the daughter, the oldest one, will you say grace before dinner? Teenager as she is, replies back to her father, I don't want to say grace because I don't believe in God anymore, and I don't think it's right for me to talk to God. 
She takes a deep breath as she says this and waits for her father's response. She no longer believes in God, and there's this long pause of silence because she says, why would there be a God if there was hunger or cancer? Why do babies die? All honest questions. And because it's a comedy, she then goes on to ask, why do men wear pleats? She's just uncertain about everything that's going on in this world, and she doesn't understand. After this awkward back and forth, they talk as a family, which is my favorite part of the whole thing. They dialogue about what it means to be a believer, what it means to believe in God. And this is on primetime television, which is my, definitely my favorite thing. And then the mater familias, the mother, the grandmother walks into the room and the dad quickly stays there. Zoe led a really awesome prayer and I'm not a bad father. <laughs> As if he's convincing himself. I'm not a bad father because my daughter is doing something that she should be doing, an outward showing of how Christian she is and proving to the grandmother how humorous and how honest this statement is. It all comes down to that. What follows is a wonderful dinner table conversation, like I mentioned, but really the crux of what they're discussing is what does it mean to really be a believer? What does it really mean? Does it mean that you have the ability to rattle off beautiful Thanksgiving prayers? Or does it mean that you have the ability to answer all of these hard questions? Does it? We get this answer from continuing to look at the gospel. We don't certainly get it from the television. They're not attempting to answer it for ourselves. But here we find Jesus amongst a crowd of Jewish people, and they're getting mixed messages about what it means to be a true follower of God. Everything about how often to pray, when to pray, what to pray, who to pray for. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're teaching the law according to the Torah. That's the first five books in the Bible, the law of Moses. And that's not the problem. They're teaching it, which is wonderful. These rules and regulations are there for a reason to help bring about tradition, to bring about authenticity, and to bring about a pattern of life that God would like us to copy. But the problem is, is that they're talking the talk, and they're not walking the walk. And they have been showing off. The text describes these prayer boxes, as I mentioned, in these long philanteries. And it describes that they love to go to parties and sit at the best seat and, of course, be invited to these parties. And now the Pharisees and Sadducees aren't just like Pastor myself or Reverend Jan or Jeff. They're more like political figures. It would be like the mayor of the town type of a person. And they would be the head of social and political factors. They were religious leaders, sure, but they were also these other things. And so they were worth listening to because they had brilliance and they knew the scriptures well. But again, we know that these requirements, they weren't listening to themselves. Now, funny story, it shouldn't surprise you that while I was in high school, I actually was the leader and the editor and the writer and the publisher of a weekly newsletter. It was email because that was the new thing for my high school youth group. That shouldn't surprise anyone who especially gets my weekly email this week. I have not come that far. That has been 20 years that I have been every week sending out an email to the youth group that I was in charge of or a part of. 
And I'd always include some inspirational stories. And you better know that Footprints made it at least a dozen times, because that's a great poem, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember an article that I wrote. I was trying to help my, my peers, my, co, my co-friends, about um, how to get something that you want from your parents. Okay? Teenagers in the room, listen up. Because it worked, kind of. Okay, so it was good advice. Parents, if you just tell them that you want something. So teenagers, if you just tell the parents that you want something, you got to do something in return, right? It's got to be something like an equal kind of a thing. And be specific about that chore. Like, I will mow the grass if you buy me a blank a toy or whatever. It wasn't iPhones back then, but that was an easy sell right now. Be specific about that good grade, not just a good grade. I'll get better grades, I promise. I will work harder to get a better grade in history class. And I thought that was a pretty good way to do it. So it worked out. And, um, Also, be sneaky and offer the use of your babysitting money or your lawn mowing money to go halvesies on something you really like. Because if you say, Mom, this purse that I really want is at the mall and it's $70. And if I put in half, will you put in the other half? Because it shows that you're being really responsible. But then your parents will be so bowled over that they'll just buy it for you anyway, right? And then thirdly, I always said, like, always ask them when they're in a good mood. Timing is everything, right? So my friends got back to me, and they said some of them worked and some of them didn't work. And um, they did the chores, and they got the better grade, and they offered to mow the lawn, and they offered to use half of their money. But sometimes they said that their parents would move the rules and regulations around, so they do all of this stuff, and then their parents would add on other things that they were supposed to be doing. Parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, since you're doing so good at that, well, then keep on doing more. And it was just so frustrating for these kids because they were like, I did the thing that I said I was going to do, and then the line got moved. And it's so frustrating. That's what Jesus is doing at this moment. And he sees what the Pharisees are doing. They, they moved the line. They say, no, it's actually this, and it's more, and it's more, and it's more. And the problem with that is that it's more to get to Jesus. So let's look at the context for a moment, because the context of this before and after this pericope, this section of Matthew that we're talking about, Jesus has just said something that you all recognize and know. Ready for this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Where in that are so many rules and regulations? Jesus just took a breath after saying that before he gets to this text. Love God and love your neighbor. And then he abashes the Pharisees and the Sadducees for all these rules and regulations that they've placed upon the people. And then afterwards he says, you've, you've placed all these barriers it's like you, you lay all these things out. They must do this. They must do that in order to get to heaven, in order to believe in Jesus, in order to be Jewish at the time. We can transfer that over to Christian. And if you do all of these things, and only if you do all these things, it's just unfair. And it's not what Jesus says at all. Now, we, we as parents or we as teenagers, we resonate with this. You're like, the line gets moved all the time and God is there with us. So let's think about this as a church because the burden is on us. How often do we say to new Christians or folks that are walking the walk with Jesus that they must do? 
They must do all of these things. And we put all these layers out here. You must dress up to go to church. You must come to church not smelling like alcohol. You must not have this or that. You have to sacrifice. Your money needs to be used in this way. Now, certainly, I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong, but it's the way we go about it. You see, what comes first? Your love of God and love of neighbor? And then out of that comes your own. How, do I ma- how does that look? But instead, we put all these rules and regulations, and we say, you have to dress up nicely. You can't have that party on Saturday night. you got to be here and be an usher and a greeter and a Sunday school teacher and a volunteer for vacation Bible school. You should do those things anyway. And I'll throw it in there, a youth group leader. You've got to do all of these things in order to show that you love God. No, what comes first? Love God, love your neighbor, and then what comes first? And it makes me think about this table right here. Because when you invite somebody to your own personal home dinner table, you expect things of them. But this table... Why do we expect so much of people before they come to this table? This table is for everyone. If they have two feet to walk forward to this table and to experience what we experience, let them come. Don't put fences around it. Don't put barriers. This table is for everyone. And as we think about that, why don't we take a moment to invite those people? Invite those people to come to this table. Who is that person that you're thinking of that can come, though you've placed all these barriers? And why are they giving you excuses, maybe? Maybe they've placed those barriers. Walk with them. Talk with them about how those barriers aren't there. This table is wide and open and beautiful and is here for them. And it's here for you. So as we celebrate communion this morning, you might think that there's a barrier for you to come to this table, but there's not. Young and old, whatever happened last night, whatever fight you're in, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would say, wait, hold up. No. But Jesus says, come. All who are hungry, all who are thirsty, come. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our God, how we invite people to church, how we invite those around us to you and this table, let us not be a stumbling block for them. For those who need to be healed, let them be healed. For those who need to be invited, let them be invited. And use us in all of your work. In your name we pray, amen.